Well, hello, SHL fans. It's Crash and Kale. We're back for another podcast. We just liked it so much the first time, we decided we'd do it again. Isn't that right? Give all the fake money. Give all the fake money. That's really why we do this, isn't it? <laughs> so, it's been a while since we did our last podcast. Lots has happened. It has a whole season, I believe. <laughs> Just about exactly. We're in the final stretch of this one of the playoffs, anyways, right? So, lost talk about. Yep. So, I guess uh, first and foremost, I should uh, say congratulations on uh, beating us out of the playoffs, though it was short-lived. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was. It was a pretty good feeling for two days. <laughs> that's pretty much what the playoffs is each round is now right two days so yeah it seems like it i think it's safe to say that um it'll be chicago taking the west series as well yeah they're up 3-1 at this point so it's really just uh really it's man buffalo actually swept ham or uh who did they sweep sorry they swept atlanta, atlanta. that is correct who knocked you out yep and they're awaiting Chicago, who is up 3-1 in their series. So, so yeah. there's a little part of me that's happy that Atlanta ended up beating us because I'm sure Buffalo would have swept us. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, looking like the winner of the Buffalo-Hamilton series was pretty much <laughs> ready, to, ready to be coming out of the East. So not really surprised there. But yeah, yeah, I see that uh, Carl Crashwagon had himself quite the playoff run, tallying a total of 18 points in his uh, two series. 18? <laughs> okay. There's a few more that has happened in the games I missed then. Um, yeah. That's not bad. That's as I say, as, as far as the playoff index goes, you're still technically fifth in scoring. Fifth in scoring? <laughs> this is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, currently, Essa Farmborg has got 21, and then you're sitting tied, actually, for third with 18. Son of a bitch. Well, good job, Essa. Yeah, but I'm sure that'll change and with Buffalo being in the final and you being tied with, uh, uh, I can't even pronounce that, Herendevic and Mike, Monkey D. Luffy. So. Hernandevic? I think Hernandez is that is that what it is? I don't know. Uh, let's see. Hernandevic, I think so. All right, we'll go with. Give that. us a hate mail response. Yes, if it's right or if it's wrong, please just tell... give us yes. some action on the thread. <laughs> give us some action. Tell us how terrible we did or great we did. Whatever works. <laughs> Every feed, all feedback is welcome. <laughs> So I was thinking on the t- topic of playoffs, what do you think? Uh, what, do you, what is your take? Has it pretty much gone down the way you thought it would? Or was there surprises? Or what do you think? A little bit of both. Um, I think I my playoff predictions, I think this is the final that I, that I had, but a different way of getting there a little bit. Um, I don't know. Uh, I noticed uh, New Orleans Twitter uh, tweeted a reply to my reply of theirs about uh, uh, I was kind of a bit, bit of satire. Like, oh, great. Like, yeah, nice new new engine. And look, it's Chicago and Buffalo again. But <laughs> it's not like it's the same two teams every year. There is a bit of a mix-up. And like Chicago didn't even make the playoffs last year. And they're a regressing team. And you could probably argue that 
minus the additions, they would be a worse team than last year because of it. But they did get some additions. They were able to prolong and make it back to the finals. And yeah, it's my thing is it's not the same team winning it year after year after year. And it's I, th- I think the switch to FHM took a lot of middling teams by surprise. And their rebuilds weren't as thorough as they needed to be. So they had to kind of trigger a new one on the fly. Um, so that's, and when they do that, the teams that are rebuilding aren't going to buy players. So like there's, there wasn't a strong market to sell for a lot of teams. And I think that's what kept the good teams at, good. at a separate <laughs> level. Well, like, yeah, there was kind of like a, an S tier, which was basically the Great Lakes and maybe one other, like New Orleans was there for a bit. Um, and Texas was made their way up there last couple of seasons, but there, there was a de- definitive gap between them and kind of the rest of the league. But that gap is shortening. Um, there's a lot of other teams that are finally coming out of the rebuilds and they're competitive as well now. It's, it's nice. It's not a for sure thing anymore. Well, and that's just it. I know that other places and people have talked about the league parity was supposed to be better this year. There's still distinct kind of top tier and bottom tier of teams, but I do feel that there was a lot more parity in the league. And like, even if you look at some of the series and like, I guess like uh, some of the teams like uh, Hamilton sweeping Toronto in the first round or Buffalo beating New 4-1, but there were some games that were a lot closer. Now, don't get me wrong. There were some blowouts too. But I think a lot of those series, despite the losses, were actually quite close games. And I think that uh, that shouldn't be lost on people. Like uh, Tampa Bay being loaded up and being swept by Atlanta, like that's got to be an upset, right? Despite the fact that Tampa Bay underperformed this year, but a clear TPE advantage. And like our series was between Philly and Baltimore was quite close almost every game. Yeah, it only went, it went six, but like there was a coin flip a couple of games where it was like, I believe you guys scored with like was it point like eighteen seconds left the one game after we were leading six six one or six two or something like we just blew no was that the four one game that we blew and we lost five five four I think so I think that was like uh, I think that was game five as well right I think that, that sounds up three two yes that's right because it was in Baltimore and we were just about came back home with the series leader like this yeah. is actually gonna happen and then and I remember we were sweating <laughs> and then we were able to pull a bit of a comeback and it's like okay great let's just finish it in overtime and then the the damn uh the sim popped up right before the end of the game I was like please don't go in our net and it, it didn't go in ours <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was that was a dirty last last minute goal to finish that one off. But you know, it was a good series. I enjoyed it. I had fun playing against you. There was a lot of chirping back and forth. But like, oh, overall, I think Philly over uh, over exceeded their expectations for the first season. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely, and I think they they did really well. And it's I've been enjoying watching their quick start to the league and. Well, I know when I was when I signed there after being drafted, um, they kind of sold me on it. I was originally supposed to be like I had wrote an article saying that I was going to become a free agent, and then after being taken in the expansion draft, I was like, "Really? Did that actually happen?" And then uh, I don't know. It was a good group of guys, and they kind of had a positive outlook and everything, so I ended up signing there. 
for the one year. And then I remember at the start of the season, we're like, well, our goal is to make playoffs and not be the worst team and worst team in our division. And we're like, oh, well, we think we have a decent shot, but who really knows? And then like the whole season, we're like, this is incredible. Like we're going to make playoffs. <laughs> so it was, it was always our goal to make it there. And then <clears throat> once we got there, I knew it was going to be a tough matchup with you guys. Cause you guys played extremely well this year, this year and took the division, but yeah, it was, it was one of those things. And I think there was part of us that kind of knew that we probably should lose to you guys. And that was probably going to happen, but there was like that slim level of hope and our games were pretty much a coin flip. It seemed sometimes that it was like, wow, we could actually, this could have gone the other way. <laughs> yeah, you could ride a hot goalie for a couple of games and just get some lucky sims, and there you go. Well, that's just it. And like you said, you start sweating a little bit because it's like, is this actually going to happen? Is this actually going to happen? <laughs> yeah, like for, yeah. for me with Baltimore, it's nice because that's three playoffs in a row after not having made them at all. And then we made it to the second round this, this season. Well, and... I guess... Yeah. Um, yeah, it's nice. Like, yeah, we didn't get matched up against. Uh, I think we basically have been matched up against Great Lakes in the last two seasons. But um, with the new play playoff format, regardless, uh, it's still nice to see the improvement. Like throughout throughout the season, like we we pulled off a pretty good season, like where we showed lots of improvement and. We've only got a couple guys in regression and should be strong for a long time. There you go. Yeah, well, I know that was one thing with our team. Like, we had a clear TPE disadvantage. We had a TPE advantage between goalie and backup goalie, and our D is basically where <laughs> our advantage is for most teams. But we, we did lack some TPE, I think, uh, on the front end. But that being said, it was almost like uh, a little bit like the Vegas Golden Knights where it seemed to just be, there was no blatant great 2000 TP offensive player, but there was no 500 TP offensive player. Like we had a pretty good balance right through. And I think that kind of worked in our favor through a lot of the season yeah. and matchups and everything. So I think that was one of the big things that kind of propelled us into our playoffs in the inaugural season and whatnot. So that and Honkers doing a ton of test testing and, keeping things up to date so but no, yeah. it was good i look forward to more uh building this rivalry out a little bit more oh I, now that we're in the same division it's it's a lot more apparent apparent that's for sure yeah i know especially, it, oh man especially getting some playoff matchups in the in the next few seasons it should be Absolutely. good Absolutely. Well, I know that was one thing. I uh, I had a couple guys when we matched up with you, like, "Oh, do you have a bet going with with Crash?" And I was like, "Uh, no. I think we're both more or less just like, hey, what if this is gonna finally make the second round of the playoffs? Yeah. <laughs> we're just blissfully <laughs> happy. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe next time we'll have to have uh, some sort of drink or something bet on it or. We'll we'll do something next time because I'm sure this won't be the last time we match up against one another. That's for sure. I hope not. Yeah. So you had uh, you said you had kind of Buffalo Chicago going to the finals. So what you, like what what's your finals prediction then? I think I did. So again, let's put the caveat. Although I don't think we need it. Ah, screw it. Screw caveat. I think Calgary's losing next game. Oh, probably. Um, <sighs> 
Buffalo, Chicago. Um, I guess I'm going to be rooting for Chicago. Um, I, I, I mean, I mean, in fairness, Chicago literally built themselves to basically win this year <laughs> with the offseason moves they did, right? So, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. I just feel like, um. Like Buffalo was was here. Did they lose to Texas last year? Oh, hold on one second. It was Buffalo Texas final, and Texas won four one the series. Okay, I don't know. I feel like maybe I know, or I, I worked with Corey, who's running Chicago now, but um, maybe a bit of the underdog thing because they didn't make playoffs at all last season but again that was the the great lakes screw of of choice um because if they were allowed in they probably could have made a run regardless um so are you referring to then... chicago or who you're referring to right yeah now? chicago so chicago actually lost to buffalo in the third round last season oh they was, did make it it was toronto they got snubbed last year oh okay so i'm thinking two seasons ago then yes i think you're thinking um, season 58 Either way, uh, Chicago is kind of the, the the older team that had to retool a little bit this year, and they did pretty well in free agency. Um, and yeah, this they made their way to the finals. Um, Buffalo's always been a tough team to beat as long as I've been around. Um, but it's fun to cheer against them, I guess. So suck it, Roach. <laughs> classic classic throwing throw back to Maine Maine there isn't it too he started there yeah 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 for sure and I don't know I, I wasn't sure what to think about the new playoff format but I actually quite liked it um, seeing like even there's no that not having that crossover was really nice it is kind of weird that like play teams that you do think would be in the Eastern or Western conference finals are kind of matching up in the second round just because of the way that the divisions work. But I think in the next couple of seasons, you'll see that kind of fade out again too. I think so. But I also think it's not, not so bad because like it's the same format that we get with the NHL. And uh, what was the matchup this year? It was uh, Colorado Vegas. Yes, I believe that was a second round matchup. Yeah, and I think I remember saying like that was probably the best series I had remembered watching like in my life. Yeah. And that goes back to like the classic Detroit Colorado matchups. Um I don't know, those those are fun to watch and they draw attention and I think in our league like either way you're going to have to go through that team. So what does it matter if it's the Eastern Conference Finals, or if it's in the first round or the second round, you're going to have yeah. to match up. You're going to have to beat them. So let the best team come out. Yeah, that's fair. Like I know um, the Buffalo Hamilton series was just nuts. Buffalo took the first game five nothing. Hamilton took the second game three nothing, and then it was Hamilton one four three. Then Buffalo won five four. <laughs> it's just. And you talk about entertaining second series, and I think those are good series to watch too, and to happen early because it keeps people's interest if you're not in the playoffs, right? So, 
Yeah. I, I, I like it. I think it's a good format. I hope we stick with it. Um, but I guess that will be a lot depending on what else happens to the league, right? So. Yep. And yeah, we'll have uh, eventually, I'm going to assume that the current top teams aren't still going to be there in 10 seasons. Maybe they will. Maybe they have excellent management. But I think in the next 10 seasons, there'll probably be people. I, I, well, I guess I'm assuming that people will be stepping down in that time. Like, I, like, I don't know what I, you've been around longer than I have. have. Are GMs typically in for the long haul and go like 10, 20 seasons or what? Or is there more change over than that? So they seem to be more entrenched, but again, since I've started, I think almost every team has gone through a GM change. Like uh, Buffalo hasn't. Hamilton hasn't. But I think aside from them, uh, Baltimore has had a couple co-GMs. yeah, I, I think most teams' ten season life cycle seems to be like a pretty good mark. That's fair. Um, so when, and so yeah, I'm, and even like well, seeing Essa step down in Calgary, like long, long, long tenure GMs stepping down. Well, I, I wonder if there's some sort of level or time they get to that they're kind of like, okay, I've been there, done that kind of thing, and this is getting old or repetitive. Like something needs to change, like. I don't know how much there is on the back end that can kind of keep things fresh for a guy or if they just enjoy doing testing and stuff that much. Then... Yeah. Well, and I think uh, switching to FHM was a lot of a different kind of mindset was, was required. And um, I think that caught a few people and they, they slugged it out. But I, I think a few of the GMs definitely weren't enjoying it as much as they used to and kind of well, pulled it out as long as they could. It's a big change, right? Like <laughs> from what I hear, the old system was literally you had one of two builds or something. And if you variated from it, then you were useless or cause that's yeah, pretty much. I remember uh, a lot of scouting chats because my build wasn't ideal. And as a brand new player and a brand new person to sim leagues, it was really difficult to understand that okay, I get that it's not the ideal build, but it's what I want to do. And then just having GMs be like, no, like, we won't play you at all with this uh, with this makeup. Like, you'll have to switch this and this and this. And, like, that's why I keep saying it was, it was a good switch away from FHM, just because it was so ingrained. There was no option. Um... <laughs> But yeah, even now, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm interested because one of the side effects we might see with the new build scale is we might see pretty standard builds. And I wonder if there's a way to kind of differentiate between that. Um, so I, I wonder about that because I do know like there's a lot of pretty much everyone um, with the old scale built one of kind of two options where they kind of the blatant best ones or best builds kind of thing. But this season with the changes and stuff, and I was kind of followed our team a little bit more and the way I've watched different players play different roles and some people that 
didn't have as high TPE, but were very, very effective because they played a certain role or they were built a certain way. I think there's going to be more of that. Um, I think you still have a lot of people that kind of are trying mere builds of like top guys, like as a defenseman, like I kind of, I kind of followed the build of um, uh, Adam Barron and just try to kind of mirror what he was doing kind of thing at first. But like now with the scale changes and stuff, it's like, Oh, well, to put the extra TP there, like, oh, could I be better served doing this or doing that? So I think people will kind of start playing around a bit more than just kind of following following one person's lead or following a standard. So I hope it doesn't go that way, but we'll see. Time will tell, I guess, right? So Yeah, it'll. I think it'll take a couple seasons again for the new kind of the, the first meta to, to flesh itself out. And then once we get that is that is that for sure the best way to do things or are we going to find a great way to counter that and things will evolve for a few seasons so we're in for a few of uh i i guess more varied builds i i would think well and i guess the other big if in that is if um FHM eight comes out and we have a end up moving to that. Like there's no guarantee that the current builds will be <laughs> the best builds in the new FHM sim engine if, or when we ever move on. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. So that'll be interesting. Kind of enjoy and watch, but we'll see what happens over the next couple of seasons. Like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you want to do some questions that we uh, threw out, or do you have anything else you want to discuss off the top? Or uh, not off the top of my head, I've got uh, I've got the question thread open right now, and I'm just kind of scrolling through that. <laughs> you got a couple questions, that's for sure. So, which one do you want to start with? Uh, let's go top to bottom. All right. Um, so our first question was actually from Honkers which his player is Scoochie Stratton. If you guys were going to have an expanded team, what would you name? What would the name be? And what city would it be in? You want to take this one? Or you want me to go? Um, sure. There's, there's a couple that I had off the top of my head. So um, with the expansions that just, I guess were not announced yet when this was asked, I believe. Um, I was thinking uh, SHL proper. I don't know really what kind of city I would like to put one in. Um, I think Detroit would be a good spot in Vancouver, but again, those are junior teams, and that's where it starts getting tricky. Like, I think we should look to move the junior teams out of the bigger centers first of all. Um, okay, but that's that's kind of that's fud and down the road stuff. But uh, yeah. there were there were two teams uh, that I was thinking of that would be pretty cool. One was uh, Thunder Bay Trappers, like the Fur Trappers. Okay. And I feel like the name goes pretty well. Or you could play on uh, play on Thunder and be the Thunder Bay Lightning. Although I don't think that would <laughs> resonate very well with people. And then. Uh, the other one was like in Saskatchewan where, where Overdue ended up going. And uh, I like uh, the play on on the, the, the Storms. And so it could be like 
the either it's a Saskatchewan Prairie Thunder or Saskatoon or Regina, pick a city from there. Um, I think that's a good name and it good, brings a lot of good branding options. Those are both available if anybody wants them. Uh, in three seasons, when we expand again, um, <laughs> and then I think an, a team could go back to Halifax, not rebrand Raiders, uh, maybe something around the Blue Nose or something like that. Um, but that's a city that I think is small enough to not warrant a full SHL team, but definitely viable for a, a junior team. Fair enough. Uh, uh, kind of echoing your sentiments of just different places that were kind of tossed around. Um, I know when the SHL expanded, when they were trying to figure out where it was going to be, uh, the the one city that was tossed around a little bit was the Salt Lake, Salt Lake City. And cool to me, being just with the NHL history, uh, or in the Olympic history there, sorry. And then uh, the NHL playing outdoor games there and stuff this year. Um, I thought that would have been a cool place to go. I think, uh, like you said, the kind of major centers would be interesting. I don't know what I would do for branding. I'm not very original when it comes to stuff like that. So (laughs) (laughs) Salt Lake City Lakers, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I don't know what kind of stuff you do there, but definitely kind of liked the two options that actually came up in the SMJHL one this year. Like you said, with Regina being the one and – uh, Montana being the other. I actually thought that was pretty cool. I guess you could do something like uh, uh, North Dakota or somewhere in there too with like the Minot or yeah. someplace that kind of has like a rich hockey history through university or something. Again, I have no idea what kind of branding I would do. I uh, I tried to think of some names or examples and I was like, I got nothing. Pretty much everything I do is ripping off something that's not original. So, <laughs> Yeah. And with that, for like thinking of SHL now, um, keeping it to North America cities, I'm wondering if there's a specific city that jumps out as not having a franchise yet. Like we've only got the 18, that would be a good a good fit for one. Um, maybe something in Tennessee, yeah, like Memphis or Nashville. Um, Nashville again, jumps I, out. I, I kind of like the I like the teams that are in non-traditional hockey cities as well. Kind of, I feel like it brings some flavor. Agreed. Um, You're not just building off teams because it's an easy choice. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like a big city that would that doesn't have anything yet that would be an open one. Arizona, perhaps. Scottsdale. Yeah. Uh, Albuquerque isotope. <laughs> New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, you could definitely do somewhere in there. I think the other thing, too, that people need to be mindful of is I think a lot of the expansion teams kind of end up going in to try and bring some balance to the league, too. Like Philly and Montreal both being put in the East Coast to be able to bump like Chicago over and stuff. Like I wonder if they don't pick some cities based on things like that to try and give some more parity within divisions well so when i was in uh ho for the the first expansion in was it 55 was that seattle uh, seattle and atlanta came in okay 
I remember like the forums, everybody was like, okay, so it's going to be Montreal and somebody else. And it was funny because like a lot of the applications, a lot of them listed Montreal as like a secondary or tertiary choice. But a lot of them that we were going through had multiple city ideas. And it's like, hey, like, first of all, it was like, find a GM who would be good. And then kind of the secondary was make sure that the location choice and branding works. And uh, like, that was definitely, that was like a hard secondary factor. But a lot of the guys were pretty open to, like, here's a quick list of cities that I'd be like really really ready to go to and yeah. here's some brief ideas like here's one really fleshed out idea and then here's some alternate ideas that we could work on if if that's the case yeah um but like a lot of them um they they kind of worked out for the for the balancing like one team in the east one team in the west and like with this most recent one, yeah, it bumped Chicago over, but I guess New Orleans is, is close enough to the West to move over, but no real, like, hard West Coast uh, influx of teams. Like, you've got a big jumble along the East side, and then kind of Central and West is, is West. But I, I feel like that kind of falls, like, sorry, with the NHL schematic, though, right? Like, most of the teams are in that metropolitan east division kind of thing whereas you look at the west division it's like you have dallas chicago <laughs> yeah well it's a unique situation right and well and the, like where population as, too. as long as uh i remember looking at a map when i was younger um when nashville came into the league yeah and i was surprised how far east they were and then I was also surprised how far east Detroit was because I thought it was quite a bit farther west. Um, <laughs> just like its proximity to Toronto, and they're in different conferences. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the other, like, yeah, speaking of places like Colorado, Kansas, somewhere in there maybe, or what? Like, it, it is surprising that Denver hasn't made itself a team yet. Well, they've got the the junior team as well i guess that would be another uh um that would be another good one to move the junior Colorado team Raptors, to yeah. make the uh make the main center available <laughs> yeah kansas city st louis I'm pull- i just pulled one up <laughs> good old o- google oklahoma kansas city st louis i guess minneapolis even minnesota i'm surprised that one's not out there, they have quite a rich hockey history. Looking at you, Mighty Ducks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, again, like, uh, yeah, um, Salt Lake, Vegas. Again, you get to get the junior team to wiggle over to Reno or something. Yeah. Yeah. Where else? Portland is Portland big enough? But then again, we've got Seattle. Different states, but close enough. <laughs> Tijuana. We'd have Tijuana? to ask uh, Puddles about throwing a team in Portland. I think. Yeah, Puddles. Just, uh, Puddles. Uh, he's a big fan of ducks. Oh right, duh. Um, duh. 
Yeah, put a team Oregon. in C- Tijuana and not San Diego. <laughs> yeah, I like it. <laughs> and then uh, Dallas could or Texas could probably have another team. I don't know what city uh, Texas is actually playing out of. I, yeah. I don't know. I think if you did like, I assume it's Dallas, right? Like you gotta yeah. assume, but then like you go San Antonio, Austin, Houston, somewhere in there. Yeah, you like, could, you could probably pretty easily throw in in the other one. Um. Yeah. Let's see. Where did the Kraken play out of? Uh, great question. Either way, you could throw a team in Charlotte if if that's their location. Then you can. Is there even a place on the site that you can find that? I think on the team pages it has location information. Indianapolis, St. Louis, Kansas, Columbus. I know there's a bunch of Ohio folks who kind of poking for that. Uh, With the team in Philly, you could throw in Pittsburgh. I know Washington was uh, was in discussion when uh, we were rebranding the platoon. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Milwaukee. Kraken play out of Carolina. Uh, yeah. Charlotte, apparently North Carolina, is okay. where the Kraken are playing out of. Who knew? <laughs> Probably everyone in Carolina. I'm <laughs> 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 just sitting here. Who the hell? Who this? cares? <laughs> Who cares? What do you mean? You actually look at where those sites are? I know <laughs> where. Uh, no, I know that's actually one of the things we were laughing about this year was every time we had a home game, it said that we were playing out of some random rink, and we're like, what the hell is this? We're not even in Philly? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Absolutely yeah. not. I think it actually was like Fort Worth or something, Texas, and <laughs> for our home games. That is, that's a commute for you guys. <laughs> I'm impressed. Well, you know, you just try to stay out of the cold, so. It's a long bus ride. <laughs> Yes, yes, it would be. I mean, <laughs> FHM doesn't take into account uh, the travel that would be required on back-to-back nights when you fly from Calgary to home to San Francisco, back to uh, back to Philly in three nights. It's three games of three nights, and you're like across the entire country. It'd be interesting if they could code that in, like have kind of like a a fitness factor, and take into account. Like a, to a travel. travel time uh, that, variable. And that would so be, be unreal. Like, okay, if I'm playing two hours away from home, and if if then if I'm playing the next day at home, then uh, like I I get a slight modifier for playing away games, and then a slight modifier for for rest. Like maybe. I don't know, when you get a full day off of rest, maybe you get like two times the fitness recovery versus if you're traveling, it's 1 or 1.5. And that could play into schedules and like weighing for 
how heavy you play different lines. I don't know. There's there's I, a lot of uh, that would be an interesting fun things. I guess they could they could play around with. Well, I know that at one point this season, the Forge had literally eleven days off in the FHM schedule, and I was oh, like, right. I could I could only imagine how terrible we would be coming back from that. Yeah, I, I remember <laughs> you complaining about that. You're just well, like, there's a sim with with we don't play it at all. <laughs> yeah and it was like we played one game the game the day before that and like one game the day we came back and we're like this is stupid why is this made this way but class, that, uh, class players FHM. association that's all i could think of yeah it was funny because they're like oh yeah i was like we don't play today question mark and it was like oh yeah no we uh fhm has us on for like a, f- a seven day break and then i actually pulled up the schedule and if you actually factored in like the saturday sunday games or whatever it was like no, no, we have 11 days between our games. This is silly. <laughs> yeah. It's silly. Yeah. But yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up that question. Um, I'll let you, you still got the, you still got it up. I think I might have closed it. I think, uh, actually, I think, yes, yes. So that was, uh, those honkers. Yeah. From my good bud Nat Emerson, the last Heraclid. With expansions happening in both SHL and the J, should there be a cap on how many teams are in each league? If the site continues to grow, should a third league be created for 425 to 900-ish range of players? Is SHL parity finally here? There have been a lot of regression talks been thrown around. How do you feel about the current system? And are there any changes you would make to it? Is Miles O'Brien the next great defensive forward? So we got a bundle here. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so expansions happening in both SHL and the J. Should there be a cap? I don't think so. Um, I think we should monitor it. And if we can ensure to have in the J three lines of actives on every team worth of players, I think that's healthy. Um, so, in the SHL, I don't know if there's a specific number you want, but this ties into the cap as well, because you don't want, uh, like you, you want some of the weaker teams to have the budget be kind of their, a resource that they could use. Uh, so they could go after free agents and maybe bid them pretty high, or uh, even like in trade talks, if they've got cap space to take on some bad contracts, maybe they could get some assets out of that. Um, if we're too quick to expand, and if we dilute the pool too quickly on that or too much, I feel like those teams lose a really good bargaining chip. Um, I don't think there should be a cap, though. I think it should be all based off of active player base. And we've been steadily growing throughout the pandemic. Like, it, it hasn't really... It's okay. slowed down, but it hasn't gone the other way. Yeah, so I actually think he might be on to something personally with the interim league, that, like, junior league, the a third year, third league for that 425 to 900s range. Um as much as I'd say like it makes sense for the league to grow to infinity or even go to like the NHL where it's 32 and something, all I can like in the back of my mind, all I can think of is 
well, then how would the hell would playoffs work? Because <laughs> if you still only have a 60, if you have 32 teams in the league and you get to that point that the site expands at, and then you only have 16 teams make the playoffs, that's a lot of downtime for people that probably don't have a lot of interest and there's no off season stuff going on. Like how do you keep them interested and, yeah. and keep them active? And like, I think it was, it was tough growing this year with what was it? Uh, four teams, I guess, didn't make the playoffs. Like I can't, I, I guess I've never missed the playoffs. So I can't say that, but early Ooh. it's in the first rounds. It's only <laughs> been a couple seasons. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but um, even early exits, I, I find that's like, I wish there was something I could do to stay active on the site, but like I, I basically try to log in, check uh, the activity check. And that's kind of what I do. There's kind of a lull because a lot of people are waiting to push out media for the draft. And it's kind of like there's this lull. And if you have more teams and more people are doing that, there's gotta be something to keep them captivated on the site. Right. Or you're going to lose more people. It, it is my, I guess, opinion or guess. Yeah. And, I get that. Um, I think originally that was kind of the intention of the international competitions. And I know when I started, I was really drawn into like the WJC and I just wish it was a bit more fleshed out and engaging and exciting because I was excited for it. Um, so, so is that something that should be done during the playoffs? You think then like, or, or is it still something that happens after the kind of, when the off-season activity starts, or like, what do you think then? Because that is something cool. that is very interesting that I feel like has been kind of pushed aside a bit and is still there, but doesn't get near as much focus as it should. So here's an idea that would probably piss off quite a few people. So I think it's a good one. <laughs> um, is like with World Juniors with IHF, um, we could look into starting them earlier and like actually promoting them. Uh, and also tying it into uh, current rosters. So uh, if you're a big nation like Canada or the U.S. or like Sweden now, because there were some guys that got left off our roster, um, what if your rosters were tied into who's available? Like instead of just being everybody for the country, like if you're still in the SHL or in the juniors playoffs, you're ineligible or maybe you can make a roster and then tweak it after round one but if you're a player that makes it past the second round you're, you're no out longer of no. internationals that season and it, then they also wouldn't have to go on as long um, i feel like the bigger nations would benefit from that because they would get more uh, well, rotation of players in but again the smaller ones might might be pretty harmed by that so isn't that what the world of cup of hockey is right now anyways like as teams lose out of the nhl playoffs they ship off to go play for and represent their country in the world cup yeah so if you followed something like if you followed that idea i think that's kind of very cool but again you'd have to be so on the ball and spend a lot more time investing into that to figure that out right so but i do yeah. like that idea um and it does actually, I think that would actually bring more parity to it as well, because like we've seen time and time again, usually you're the top players for say team Canada or something will probably be on teams that run deep into playoffs. So they, they becoming not eligible for your roster could make a very big difference, right? Yeah. You'd have to get creative. So 
Yeah. 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 And I guess then for those big countries too, like people, you have people that are probably right now sitting there going like, Oh, am I ever going to make this or ever going to crack this roster suddenly have an opportunity to as well. So I think that'd be a very interesting take. I don't know that they'd ever do anything like that, but it would definitely be interesting to see if something like that could work. Yeah. And then the people who get eliminated gives them something kind of right away to look forward to. Yeah. And because, yeah, I I remember like those will sometimes the offseason would stretch on for like a month or more if if you didn't make the playoffs. Uh, Because you have to give a couple of days break or gap to let people do testing, let people do predictions and all that. And then you're only doing two games a day. So if every round is going to seven games, you're you're in for a couple weeks worth of just playoffs. Right. And then you need an actual off season. You need some actual downtime between the end of playoffs and the draft and preseason and the start of next season. Well, scouting and everything can take place, right? Yeah. So I, I do like the idea of a developmental league. So I like I guess the the strong idea of it would be okay, you've got a junior league and the job of the junior league is to basically be player mentors. Like you're getting brand new people in or recreates, but you're managing the locker room. You're getting people engaged. Um, And then you've got them for one season or maybe two at the most. And then they get shipped off to kind of a developmental league. My worry is with something like that, we would need to work or we'd need a system to keep people engaged because right now like people are joining their j team they're getting drafted there that's their initial experience and i feel like there's quite a few people who get invested and like same thing for me like i didn't uh i didn't chat at all in platoon locker room until i was actually i think it was my second season up and i started really engaging with them a lot yeah um but it was it was really quiet. So if you if you get somebody, you get them invested, and then after two seasons, they have to join a new locker room with a new team full of new people. Are they going to enjoy exactly. and keep earning? Are we going to see a bigger drop off? And I wish there was a way to actually get some some good testing out of it to to try and have an idea before actually doing anything like that. So I think that's. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's exactly where you're at, though. I think that's why a third league wouldn't work is because of that. those exact reasons that you just said. Like, I know when I joined the site, when I got drafted, I didn't even talk in the locker room until I had basically been called up uh, to San Fran there. And then it, to, like, in even joining the expansion this year, it was like, well, this is a whole new ballpark of, of new people that I've never met Get just online. But it's still, like weird to get to know people again right so yeah like i i think my experience if uh if i would have had to change teams after my second season i don't think i would have stayed like i I think i would have dropped off in fairness Um, i think that depends on the locker room you get added to too like if you mesh with the mesh with the players there or not as well i think that would have a big part of that yeah but i'm just i'm just trying to think because i was pretty quiet pretty unengaged back then um 
there was yeah there was there's was a lot of trepidation about uh like for me it wasn't just like oh hey cool this is a group of guys interested in hockey and we can just chat about this or chat about these interests yeah fair enough oh my screen just went black I lost <laughs> power um i i like the idea of of something for the the sub 100 tp players just because it is especially with fhm it's tough it's tough to be engaged if you get called up you're an 800 900 tp player you're just getting crapped on and especially if you played out uh well if, if you're a high earner uh you're you're well maxed in the juniors by the time like three seasons is done so you could have played like a full season at cap tv or two full seasons and going from that to you're really bad to start is tough so i feel like the they've really tried to correct that though with the update scale this past year and i do think that it worked to some degree as well though like uh, I look at someone's stats and I'm going to pick on him because uh, he's in the main locker room, but like Sean Gates, Gats, Gates. Um, I think it's Gates. Gates, Gates. Uh, <laughs> he got called up this year and he was like, oh, I'm going to be trash. But like, I looked at his stats as like, okay, yes, you were on a better team than I was when I got called up. It was like, but your overall stats just are generally better than mine ever were in my first two seasons. So it, I think that, that there's a lot more parity there. And then that's where I think that it also kind of loses, like you lose uh, traction with having that mid range league or third league as well. So I don't know. I, I think, I think that they've done a very good job to bridge that and try and stop that and make people more impactful right away. Like there's definitely still a gap between a, a 900 TP player and a 15 or 1700 TP player, but it's not near what it was. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think the the change of the update scale went a good way to addressing that issue, which basically means I don't think there's space for a developmental league. Agreed. One thing that might be interesting is kind of like a farm system um, where you've still got the two leagues, um, the juniors and SA, but... Perhaps there could be a farm where, like, two SHL teams share a farm and they play against each other. Where it would be kind of like a, a lower range where you could keep people on contracts, maybe get them some not as super high-end all-star competition. But, but again, like we're I feel like we're addressing the issue that this would address in different ways. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I like it, though. I like the <laughs> idea. Like, I like thinking about it. Yeah, it's definitely thought-provoking, for sure. Um, I think the next part of that question was, is SHL parity finally here? I think that, in, in my opinion, I think that uh, it's it's got a lot better. I think that uh, uh, it's maybe not fully there, but I think you'll see actually even more of it next year just with the way that people have now learned that how you can handle things 
with the new parity uh, or with the new update scale, and you'll see a lot more parity in the next couple seasons. Because I think also people being on ridiculous contracts and um, people retaining salaries and stuff, I think that has led a little bit to how teams were so successful this year and kind of put them above and beyond. Yeah, I think for the most part, it is here. Um, we still have the same chunk of teams at the top from the last few seasons, but I think there's been enough movement to see that it's not it's not a set thing. It's not an absolutely 100% thing anymore. And parity to me means every team has a chance, not every team is going to be equal. Every team's going to win the same amount of games. Like if you're a bad team, you have the chance to build through the draft or yep. make trades, make signings, climb out of it. And with, yeah, with a lot of changes that we've done, the, the salary changes, the contract tiers, uh, moving the FHM, several, uh, um, builder or, or update uh, scale changes. Those are all kind of moving towards it, but like when we make an update scale change, if you've got a team full of 1,800 plus guys, you're still going to be better than a team with a couple. You're the Tampa Bay Lightning and $18 million over the cap because of loopholes. You're better than everyone else. <laughs> exactly. Um, which I don't think is, is wrong, but... No. Uh, well, for for our league, I think it's in a good spot where I think if you take a good look at it, you can see that, okay, like things are changing. Uh, these teams, a few seasons down the road, when they get heavy into a regression, they're going to have to adapt or they're going to they're going to willow and die. And it'll be interesting to see how they how they approach that situation individually. Um, and even the teams that are growing like they're going to hit an issue with cap where they've got too many guys who are at the 6 million tier and they're going to have to make some moves. So maybe that's move a young guy for, for some futures where maybe a team that's rebuilding can, can snag like a jump start, mm -hmm. which again goes further into like the parity between teams. Uh, I think we're far away away from, another team ever being able to go 0 and 50 or 0 and 66. I completely agree. And I think that's healthy for the league. Cause I think that's like, as funny as it was, I think that's really detrimental. The fact that it could have happened. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a tough ride for that team too. Like, it, and it wasn't even like games were closed. It was like, if you were within two or three goals, it was like, that was a good offensive showing for your team. Like, Oh, blow loss after blow loss becomes gets old real quick. Yeah, and it's like you can talk about retention as well. Like I, I props to them for keeping active players on their team active through that. Um, it's it's difficult, especially if uh, if there's no quick end of the tunnel in sight. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh so there's been a lot of talk of regression. How do you feel about the current system and are there any changes you'd make to it? How do you feel about regression? Uh, I have not thought about it at all. I <laughs> haven't been around long enough to really see how bad it is. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
I haven't really looked at it too much, to be totally honest. Um, I do think, I guess, uh, I think Rich and Luke kind of do, and I think there's definitely something that you could make it a little bit harsher, quicker. Um, but again, I think that I think that it's kind of okay where it's at right now. I don't think that there's a major need to because I think, like I said before, with the new update scale and some of the other stuff that's come come in to the league, I think that it takes kind of a season or two to really see or or uh, get the full feel of what effect it actually has. Um, and I think if we jump and do something harsh with the update scale right now too, I think that'd be another massive overhaul that. I don't know is needed right now, I guess. I guess the, re- the, this, the question really centers around how long should a player's career be in the SHL? And however long you feel it is, make it that. So what it, what, like, what's the top right now? If you're 15 seasons, 20 seasons, like has anyone made 20, 20 plus seasons? Yeah, I, I think now 20 is the the realistic max that we're going to see under the current scale. Um, so I, w- I was part of the decision to make the change to what it currently was. Okay. And I'm, I'm pretty happy with where it is because the thing that we wanted to address was we didn't want players to be able to play 30 seasons anymore. Um, one of the reasons was with the uh, with the roster crunch, uh, only three lines on each of the uh, SHL teams, and we were seeing a massive influx of newly drafted players versus what roster sizes were available for them. And so one of the avenues to address that was expansion, but also one of the issues was we were getting a fair amount of players were going until they were 22 seasons, 25, and they were just chasing overall quantity numbers. Uh, yeah. like I want to have the most X in the league, and I don't care if I only get, like, if I'm going for goals and if I only score seven in a season, whatever, that's fine. As long as there's roster space, I'll keep plugging my butt on, on there. It wasn't as big of an issue with SDHS overall because you could stick a really low TP player and they would do okay. Yeah. Um, but with uh, with the move to FHM, I think that alone kind of would have resolved to really low TP players. But they were hitting uh, they were hitting a point, and I think it was around 800 to 900 TPE, where the top regression scale at that level was less than what you could earn in a season okay so you could theoretically live forever and we didn't want that um so i know there was a few different options floating around and i i liked a progressive regression basically each season you play you regress harder yeah i'm good with that um, and like that's kind of what we have, where like the farther you go, eventually the higher the regression gets. Um, and we did make it so you couldn't realistically play forever. Like you're going to keep eating a high enough regression that you're going to retire your player, hopefully recreate, maybe not, maybe take a break. 
Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I could see some tweaks to it. I keep trying to like think about it. Okay, what's this like compared to a hockey career? So say you get drafted when you're 18. Mm -hmm. You max out the season right before regression. So that's 10 seasons after draft. So in the NHL, I think like forwards cap out at 26, 27 is kind of their, their height of productivity. Yep. So that's, that's a, that's eight years. So we're kind of in line for that. Uh, defensemen are a bit later, but then yeah. they start. Actually. Yeah. I, I thought I was going to come to a different conclusion, but this seems pretty close to how you're, how you're doing with a professional player. Um, because players, even though their their theoretical best year would be when they're kind of 26, 27, their best production year might be when they're 23. Yeah. It might be when they're 30. But usually around kind of 32, 33, you see a pretty big drop-off. And you always hear this with contracts, like, oh, man, these guys just signed this 30-year-old for eight seasons for, for this much. Like, oh, this is, this is going to suck for for them six seasons into this. Well, right, that's exactly, um, you're paying for the first four, but then riding it out for the last three or four. Yeah, and <laughs> hey, if teams if teams won, if they're not like stupid and they're aware, like we're going to be paying them a lot more than they're worth then, but we're also getting them For this now. cheap right now. Yeah, uh, I've got no issues with that whatsoever. But uh, for, for the SHL, I think the scale's good. I think it's doing what it intended to, and regression is something nobody likes to do, but to keep the league healthy, it's it's necessary. And realistic as well. Like We don't want to have guys playing 30 seasons just to chase a quantity award. Like I think those should stay kind of sacred and, yeah, achievable, but you need you need a lot of stars to align to make it. Yeah, and, which is usually the case anyways, right? Yeah, and also letting players do that diminishes other players who max turn for their career. And maybe they don't want to play 30 seasons. Maybe they're happy to retire at 18 or 20, which are still huge careers, but it would get watered down in comparison, right? Right. So through this conversation i kind of had a thought and i'm wondering if we should actually make regression a little bit stiffer the longer it goes because um and my thought is if we're if the parity change or the the update scale change in the effectiveness of a say a 900 tp player when they regress back down they're still and still get to say that 900 or 1000 tp area they're still quite effective right so is that gonna like? Is the new scale gonna require the up the regression to be hit harder so that they lose more quicker, kind of thing? Or is it? Do you think it's still kind of where it's at? It might need to be tweaked. Uh, it's gonna take a couple seasons to really see. Um, if it comes to the point where in three seasons we need to look at expansion again, I think that's something that definitely needs to be discussed instead. Okay. Um, because like, I I just think that's. That's too frequent. Like we haven't been seeing super massive draft classes to require a big change like expansion again. And 
I think you could come up with with a system that's pretty similar but hits a little harder. Like you said, maybe uh, maybe you could start like first season you're at 10%, next season you're at 11%. When you're at 15 seasons, you're still at uh, you're still at the 15%, but it's just a different way to get there. Um, and like I do feel like a lot of players start to look at retiring seriously once they hit the 15% regression because it is it is a big jump. Um, they feel like I, I can no longer sustain being the guy on the team anymore. Um, need to take a step back and some players are okay with that. Other players, I think they kind of want to start new at that point, which I think is good. Um, it keeps like a healthy, healthy role of like high earning recreates in the league. And then uh, I think if anything, you, we would need to look at the at the topper levels. Uh, maybe it gets progressively harder after it hits 15%. Um, you can fight it if you really want to, but it's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that makes total sense. <clears throat> and... Yeah, I, I think aside from that, just pure TP numbers, we could look at caps for abilities based on player age, like what season they are. Um, maybe their stamina starts taking a permanent hit. That would oh, be that, that'd be interesting because that it, would be pseudo realistic. Like we're not all instead of uh, your shot 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 power or something goes down one every season it's actually your stamina that has to take the hit like it's specific stats that have to take the hit or, or maybe like, your, like or your physical skills of some sort have to take the hit yeah maybe like if you're season 15 uh now instead of getting a 20 in this category the max you can get is like a 17 or an 18 still really high but maybe it's maybe it tweaks a few of those and that would keep in line with like age like if you're a 40 year old playing in the nhl you still can but you're not going to be throwing your body around you're not going to be taking three minute shifts yeah you're not going to be playing 30 minutes a game yeah yeah no i think that's on point yeah yeah and i think he had one more question didn't he is miles o'brien the next great defensive forward uh, so, as someone that didn't really follow the S or the J this year, um, I pulled up Maine's <laughs> stats. It's not looking good right now. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, minus twenty eight on the season, but uh, he's a season sixty draftee. So, uh, like, that's not like the main main was a weaker team this year because they. Um. I, I, I think it's too early to tell. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'd I agree. Know. Time will tell. Um, Time will tell. He's my understanding is his activity has been pretty solid and steady and he's going to be a good pickup. Um, I want to say he got drafted by Chicago. Good question. I have no idea though. And because I'm an idiot on the site, where can I even find that? Um, that'll be the 60 drafts. Um, yeah, I think uh, 
I think he's going to be a great defensive forward for sure. Time will tell if he's going to be the next great one. Yes, I think uh, yes, I think that's a very good distinction that one should point out too. You can be a great defensive forward, but maybe not the best. I think that he is definitely on on a on a line or on a path that he could be a great defensive forward and, like you said, a great pickup for someone. So, uh, entry drafts—that's what I'm looking for. Miles O'Brien was drafted in the 30th overall by the Montreal Patriots. Ah, Montreal. Good pickup, Montreal. Yes. He'll be solid in probably three more seasons for you. Don't take him early. Yes. Yes, that sounds about right. He's got he's to help main win first. So Exactly. <laughs> it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Eventually, we'll break through. Yeah. Uh, okay, so ACC. Before you jump the... into that, oh, before no. you jump into that, oh, we've no. been... and okay. I know we had discussed uh, doing a draft pod as well. That's coming up here soon. Sure. Do you do you want to save those questions for that just to uh, do some extra fill in time there? I was thinking about that, but I think we can get questions, and we only have three more total questions to go. Okay. Well, you want to power so, through them then? We'll run a little long we, today. I think we can power through them and get a new wave of questions for the draft about the draft and everything else. Okay, let's do it then. Okay. Power so, biggest surprise from the season: uh, playoff predictions. A little late for that, but I will predict away, as well as <laughs> early pre- early predictions for next season. Um, uh, go. Go. Okay. It's the biggest <laughs> surprise of the season. Um. For myself, I think it was just the fact of uh, the success in Philly. Um, I didn't really know what to expect this season. And basically, at the start of it, basically going, hopefully we make a playoff spot. And basically being, the, in my opinion, the better of the two expansion teams, which I think was a big surprise for me. Um, playoff protections, I think I took Chicago all the way. So I'm not really surprised to see them there. I, I figure they have enough to to battle it out with Buffalo there. So... Yeah, you? Um, from the season, so there, there's two big ones. I think the biggest one is Philly coming off as what I think the more successful of the two expansion teams in the first season. Uh, because I think a lot of the narrative heading into it was Philly's building for the future, Montreal's building for now. So the expectation was to see Montreal be more successful right away. Um. So that was one. The second one was Manhattan smashing that over early and screwing up a lot of people's casinos, mine included. And I'm probably done parlaying now. <laughs> um, playoff predictions, I think, again, it, like, I think the same thing. I think mostly it's been kind of as expected. Um biggest surprise in the playoffs was Tampa getting swept. Didn't expect that to happen. Um, I yeah, think, I think uh, that's fair. I guess with the re- remainder of the playoffs, I think, uh, let's say Chicago in six for the finals. Hmm. And then uh, 
early predictions for next season? Um, I, I jumping in on that. I think that next season you'll see even more parity. Um, I think, like you said earlier in the pod, with just contracts and stuff, where people are at and what they were signed to and stuff. Um, I think you're going to start seeing it next season a little bit more. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, other than that, I think you'll still have some strong teams in the Great Lakes, of course. Um, other than that, I don't really have much to say about it right now. So for next season, I think that San Francisco can actually jump a few spots to be third in their division. Um they might even be able to leapfrog the likes of Edmonton and Calgary. And then uh, I think New Orleans moves up as well in the central. Um, they, I think they can knock on the door for playoffs. I think they'll be just shy, but I think there will be noticeable improvement. Um, I want to go bold. I'm going to say Philly's going to be number two in Atlantic next year. Oh, I like that prediction. Yeah. <laughs> I like that prediction. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, I have to agree with you. I think that uh, you're going to start seeing some more at the bottom teams working their way up and see some of these other teams fall off a little bit more. Um, how that actually translates the standings will be interesting uh, and what it does for playoff pictures for sure. Because you look at some teams and like Chicago being built for this year, like I think they see a hard drop off either next year or the following season, just the way that their roster is built. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I, I haven't looked that closely at who's starting to regress and whatnot. So I'll take your take on that. Yeah. Um, okay. So now we're on to last two that are kind of centered around you from Gerbs. Perfect. How has your first season gone in Philly and both individually and as a team? And are you hyped for the playoffs? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you for the question. This was supposed to be recorded uh, before playoffs or after the first round. <laughs> Just uh, the way our schedules worked out, this did not uh, age well, apparently. <laughs> uh, but no, honestly, I had a fantastic season in Philly this year. Um, just personally, like not even as a player. Um, I actually, I just pulled up my stats previous previous seasons, and I was pretty much on par with exactly what I did last year, with the exception of being significantly less of a minus. <laughs> um, but uh, I did, really didn't know what to think when I got taken in the draft to Philly. Uh, I kind of was like, whatever, maybe I'll I'll sign a one year contract to kind of see how I fit. And I can't. I gotta say, I was actually quite impressed with the group that they were able to put together. That's a big shout out and Hawkers for. Um, how they drafted and how it all worked out for them. Um, definitely was super hyped for the playoffs at the time. <laughs> uh, I think it was a big shock for a lot of us to uh, make it. Uh, I think at the start of the season, like I said, we were kind of like, hey, we'll be lucky to make playoffs. And then to basically be there and compete with the top team in our division, which is Baltimore, I think it was a lot of fun and it was a fun ride. But right. yeah. And. <laughs> Kind of going off that, I believe I saw you sign an extension with Philly. Is that right? That is correct. I signed an extension. There we go. So how long? Uh, how long? What's the What's the hit? Uh, 
because my brain is not working right now, I actually have to pull it up. <laughs> uh, I think it was a. Uh... Oh my goodness. Where is this now? I was just looking at this. Come on. I signed a two-year contract at $5 million a year. That's what I did. Okay, not bad. Congrats uh, on the extension. Yes, thank you. I actually signed it with a no-trade no clause as well because I, I kind of want to see it through a little bit and see what we're able to continue to do. So, Yeah, gives you some more control over your destination. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the reason we kind of settled on a two-year two is because if I'm able to keep uh, max earning, I think it kind of puts it you know, right around that threshold for the next tier as well. Um, so, yeah. There we go. What a draft steal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I quite enjoyed watch, listening to Rich and Luke's uh, pod about breaking down our draft, actually. That was something, something to... Shout out to them. That was pretty awesome. And thanks for the shout out on that. Yeah, that might that might be a good idea. We could go through a season and just break it down as a future podcast if we're looking for ideas. Absolutely. Um, I guess uh, that Gerbs did throw that question. How was your playoff hype? Were you excited, or were you, what were you guys thinking in your locker room going into playoffs after taking the division? Yeah, uh, we, we were excited. It was new territory again uh, because we were kind of for the first time in in my SHL career, we were coming in as favorites to win a round for the first time. Um, whereas before it was like they might win one game, but that's about it. Yeah. And uh yeah, no, it, it was nice. Uh, we're getting a lot of engagement from from the younger guys, and like we've still got a lot of growth to see out of them before they cap off and start hitting regression. So it's really nice to see them getting really excited already and knowing that bigger things are coming. Absolutely. And then, uh, yeah, and then we've got some of the older guard, like Nat's. Uh, Nat's an awesome leader in that in that room, and. He's always excited for playoffs and building the hype. And you got uh, Carl Crashwagon that just decides to be lights out again in playoffs for no reason. And he's a plug. <laughs> Those are all butt goals, I swear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go with that, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think that pretty much wraps it up for this one today. Um. Like you said earlier, I think we'll probably post another another one out there. So if you got questions for us or anything about the draft, uh, um, throw them on there. I'll, are you gonna you gonna post something or do you want me to again? I will update our question thread. And, okay, uh, that works. I will solicit people for questions <laughs> and requests. That works. that works. But yeah, so I think that signs everything up for our our second episode. Awesome. Take care, everyone out there. You take care of yourself.